You don't have to have it right at your feet as long as you work hard in order to do it and be prepared to put in the hours and be prepared um, to take sacrifices, then you know, then you can do it. If you want something bad enough, then you'll get there. I wanted to go be a professional show jumper, but my main issue was that was I didn't have a horse. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Here to Inspire podcast and it has been a while, one year in fact since the last episode was recorded and a lot has happened in that time. Two more lockdowns, variants of Covid and now back to normality. So I thought it would be a good idea to bring back the podcast. We have plenty of guests coming up in the next few weeks including some extraordinary people from my local town. And to kick off the new series, my first guest has enjoyed a tremendous 13-year rise through the footballing world, from never kicking a ball until the age of 15, to becoming Peter's first full-time female professional footballer. So I'm pleased to say I'm welcomed by Celtic women's defender Jodie Bartle to the podcast. Um, first of all, how are you? Thank you for coming on. No, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. Um, we're nearing the end of our pre-season now so I'm I would say I'm getting tired but I'm not allowed to say I'm getting tired because I've just got to be ready to start <laughs> kicking <laughs> kicking off this weekend so yeah but um it's it's tough at the moment but yeah I'm all good thank you yeah imagine it's quite a fast uh, transition from last season to the season because obviously with Covid and everything seasons being cancelled and all that sort of thing how was it playing football throughout lockdown because for many of us we we're stuck at home but did you have that sort of opportunity to go out and train or was it your season also suspended? So what happened with me? So I I signed for Celtic uh, January uh, last year. So what twenty twenty, um, the end of the month. I was up here for maybe two months. I played um, two cup games and one league game, and then COVID hit, um, and then I was back at home until I think it was September time. So quite, quite a huge, huge gap. Um, but during that lockdown, like we were furloughed. So um, it was difficult sort of knowing, um, like, because they, they technically weren't really allowed to tell us what, what we should be doing because of the furlough and all that um, and how that worked out. So it was very much on us. On our, it was our own onus of, of getting ourselves motivated to go for a run or, or go for a kickabout or do something. Um, it was very, very much all self-inflicted. Um, and then we, then when we got the, the go ahead to come back up, we started training. It was a very, very, very short sort of mid pre-season, I guess, in a, in a way, because we'd already started and then the gap and then we got pre-season again. And then um, that was fine up until Christmas. No hiccups, no problems. Um, nothing got postponed. And then after Christmas, Nicola Sturgeon then put us back um, into lockdown and our league got paused again. Um, so we had another big gap. I think that was from, well, we actually came back up in January um, only for a week. And then we were, then I was back home until March, I think, think mid-March. Um, and then we started off again. So our season was two huge chunks, completely really far apart. So it was, it was difficult, very, very difficult, but you know, my my partner he plays football and he wasn't allowed to play football like near enough the whole time I think they only got a few games in and then that got null and void so it was lucky that we're still we were still able to do it 
um, but it just wasn't wasn't the the best of all seasons, especially for my first season up here as well. Yeah, and you mentioned that you played about one or two games before the first lockdown struck. Was you able to go home for for that part, or did you have to stay in Scotland? Because I imagine because it all happened so quickly. I don't know if you were allowed to move back or anything like that. Yeah, no. Thank thankfully, um, they Celtic took it upon themselves to tell everyone to stop. Um, before the whole country went into, before I think it was Boris Johnson decided that everything was in lockdown. Um, so as soon as we stopped, um, I came back down to England and it was, so that was what maybe the Sunday that was, so either the Saturday or the Sunday it was decided. And then that following Friday um, was then it went, when it went into lockdown and then obviously you weren't allowed to go anywhere. So luckily I was one of the lucky few that was able to go home, but there were some girls um, who were, American. We had a couple of American and a couple of Spanish girls that were stuck, completely stuck um, in Scotland for quite a few months, I think, until certain things opened up. Um, but yeah, I, I was lucky enough to, to be able to go home and spend the lockdown with with my family. Yeah, so but frankly, it's all starting to go in the right direction at the moment. But we don't want to talk about too much doom and gloom around in COVID because <laughs> that's what's been the story for the past 18 months. So let's jump straight into your journey into football and how you got to actually play for Celtic. Um, and if you haven't heard Jodie's story so far, to summarise, at the age of 15, you never kicked a football before um, and you actually want to be a professional show jumper. Um, and now fast forward 13 years, you will be competing in the Champions League this season. So how did you find that love for football at such a late age? It's, it's I, I still don't really know. The amount of people that are sort of like, why is it football? Why, how did you even get into that? I'm not 100% sure. It's just, I think it was more like the friends that I hung around with because I always, I, I was the girl, I was the sporty girl, um, but I always hung around with the lads and, and the lads always played football. So then I guess I just sort of like got into it because my friends were doing it. You know, throughout school, um, I was doing, I was a cross country runner. I did, you know, represented the school, represented the county in cross country um, and then oh, like athletics games and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was literally 15, 16 that I decided um, I quite enjoyed kicking a ball about. Like my parents were never, foot, never footballers. They, they were um, athletes. Like my dad was, was a triathlete um, and then my mum trained as well alongside him. So always fitness related but never never really football so I think it's it was more just just the people that I hung around with and and you know back then it wasn't really like everyone wasn't as stuck to their xbox as I think or their phones as maybe people are now and it is kind of like a different world in that respect of I was always outside always at the park and, and the only thing that that was was there was a, a field and, and a football and some goalposts or well actually no jumpers with goalposts it was <laughs> at the time so yeah I, I think it's more more just who I was around yeah, I wish I wish I could defend myself on the game console bit but unfortunately <laughs> it's quite it is quite true nowadays unfortunately um all for different reasons but yeah I know what you mean um but when you found that for football you started to play a little bit many would consider that age at the age of 16 is quite late to sort of force your way into like a professional footballer um it's sort of a myth of some sort you people say you have to be in academy from the age of 12 if you want to become a footballer that sort of thing so when you started playing football was it purely just for fun or did you have that ambition of actually going professional no 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 I I just did it just for fun I I didn't have any 
aspiration of going and playing for a football team or anything like that. I was just happy kicking the ball about in, in the wreck with my friends. Um, and it was just this one time, like, have, have you seen Bender like Beckham? Yeah. Yeah, so it was near enough exactly the same. I just had two girls walk up to me in the park and was like, oh, we've seen you kick a ball about. Do you want to come and play for our team? I was like, oh, go on then. Let's, let's see what it's all about. And, um, and I got on really well and I really enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed, like, the social aspect of it, of, like, being within a team and, and enjoying things in, in that sort of way. And I was the youngest person there. Um, at like 16 years old I wasn't able to I think the league didn't I had to be 16 at the start of the season so it was like an extra year or something like that I can't quite remember how it worked out and all the they were all women they were all in their late 20s early 30s um, so they were all definitely there for the social aspect of the party and the drinking and that kind of that kind of thing but obviously I was too young to do it at the time um, just did it for fun and then I had someone from, at the time it was Peterborough Azure, but that is who is now Peterborough Northern Star, um, approached me and said, do you want to come and play for us who were two leagues above, two leagues higher? And that was literally in my first, at the end of the first season. And I was like, oh, all right then, go on then. I'll, I'll, let's, let's, let's push myself and see what it's like a couple of leagues above. Um, and then I was only there still for fun. I was doing it whilst I was through college. Um, I stayed there whilst I was through university. And it was literally just for fun. I, I didn't think at the time that you could even make a profession out of it. Back then, professional female football wasn't heard of. It wasn't a thing. Um, and then it was only recently sort of when um, the, the rebranding of the top two tiers um, of the I think it was Super League and then Super League 2. And then when they rebranded it to be Super League and Championship, and there were so many rules of you have to have a specific amount of professional players or part-time players. I think it was kind of then that I thought, well, now it's possible. I want to go and try it. I want to see if I can go do that. So it, it was only a thought maybe in the past five or six years of I can actually make a career out of this. It is a genuine thing to do. Um, so no, like going through it, it was just complete hobby. Um, it was only until it was made clear that that you could make a, a profession out of it. And, and that's the thing now of like looking at, we've got kids, we've got girls in, in my team who are 16 years old, 17 years old, and they're walking into a professional environment that wasn't available when I was 16 or 17 years old. So that, you know, football itself is for women has just come on leaps and bounds and I think it's more the fact of when I was 16 it wasn't an option it didn't or it didn't it wasn't a clear option unless you were already at the top of your game and even then it wasn't full-time professional nowadays the kids can just go into a professional setup and that's just absolutely fantastic um, but yeah it, it was never never meant only the past few years I thought yeah go on then let's let's see how, how far I can go <laughs> Yeah, and you mentioned there you joined Peter Northern Star because uh, at the time female uh, football wasn't on the map basically. Um, only since recently with the rebrand of the uh, Super League and now um, television rights that is slowly getting uh, recognition it deserves. But how did playing for the likes of Northern Star in because it was a local club for yourself um, playing there non-league football? How was it? How's that developed you as a player? Playing there, I had, and I'd still say, one of the best coaches I've ever known, a guy called Steve Burks, who we used to call Bobble. 
Um, by far, I don't, don't ask me why he was called Bob. Well, I, think I, asked him. I think it's because when he was younger, he went to take a shot and the ball bobbled up and he's shanked it and then Bobble is just stuck to him forever. Um, but yeah, he, by far, one of the best coaches I've ever known. And the way that he personally developed me, the way he developed us as a team, he, he single, well, not single-handedly, but near enough, got us promoted um, from, at the time, tier five into tier four um, with Peter Norvenstar. Um, so I'd say that playing there, it's, it, it was him to a certain extent of how much he developed me, but also having um, um, a guy called Steve, Steve Jason as well, who was there for, I think he was part of the part of there for probably 10 years, if not more. Um, he massively developed me because he always backed me and he always shoved me into, um, you know, pushing me out of my, my comfort zone. Um, and always he, he sort of thought that I could go and do something with myself when it comes to football. Um, so having those people there made a huge, huge difference. And then as well at that club, I met, I made some friends for life who, you know, um, who, who are still my best friends and having that and having the people there to push me um, into where I am now. And they've always fully supported me. So really being at that club made a huge, huge difference of, I think it's probably just the people that made that club. Um, and then that's what sort of, Put the foundations of me as a player in, into how I am now. Yeah, and in your time at PNS, you became the first woman to be awarded the Peter Telegraph Footballer of the Year. I'm guessing that was quite an achievement for yourself because to be recognised in a local community for your achievements at Peter Northern Star against some very good other athletes. How did that feel for you? That honestly was was awesome. It was like to be nominated is one thing because I think that was the first time any female was even nominated in that category um yeah. so that it, it was my me and I had another couple of teammates as well um and our club Northern Star was nominated for team of the year as well just to be noticed and just to be considered um as as an athlete as a footballer um was just fantastic and I think it was times like that as well for me was the turning point of women's football is starting to get recognized we're starting to get put on the map. We're, we're starting to be appreciated for, you know, the stuff that we can do. Um, so it was it was a big moment for me personally. Um, just win, let, like not even being the first woman to do it, but just getting that award is just a huge recognition. Um, and then I know after me, um, Cassie Stewart got it as well, who's like one of my best mates as well. Um, and I think with the, the women dominated for a couple of years and then... Um, I can't think who's got it recently. Um, a PSL player, I think it was. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was amazing. It was just amazing the fact that we were recognised because especially around that season, we had such a good season. Like That was the year that we got promoted um, and we were playing the highest level of football that Peterborough had seen for women in a very, very, very long time. Um, and that's the division that Posh are at now that they've just got promoted into. So hopefully the female football in Peterborough is just it's since then it's just gone up and up and up and the recognition has gone up you know posh as well as is, is has gone along um has got the deal with the men's side now so they're fully affiliated with the club which is brilliant and I think that like I said that recognition from back then has just helped women's football in in Peterborough tremendously yeah and go back on that posh thing quickly 
but this season onwards they will be run by the main uh, team. Do you feel like this was a long-waited thing? This should have happened sooner, or do you feel like it's happened at the right time now with how the women's game is going? Um, I mean, I wish it happened a lot sooner. I wish it happened when I when I was a bit younger because I'm getting on now. Um, and especially being in my hometown, I wish it was a lot sooner. But it's just the fact that I'm I'm thankful it is happening. I'm glad that it is finally happening. Um, yeah, maybe it could have happened a few seasons ago, um, but it, I'm I'm just glad that it's happened. Um, and you know, it's it it's just going to make football in Peterborough improve. It's going to bring calibers of player, you know, certain calibers of player to the area in order to play for a team like Posh, um, who, like you said, are, are now now with the men's. And, you know, the fact that they're with the men's means that they've got better facilities, they've got better coaches, they've got staff, they've got, you know, all these little things that probably just are, are overlooked. They, You know, you don't realise how good certain things are until you've either got them or you've lost them. Um, and yeah, so it's it's only it's it's just going to get better. But I'm I'm glad that it has it has happened definitely. You know, and I I know that posh. Well, I, I hope posh is uh, the women. They aspire to get themselves as high as possible. Um, so I'm I'm hoping at some point they get they get themselves back up into well up into the championship or or Super League whilst I'm whilst I've still got some legs. <laughs> if they did get a foul, would you want to play for PB United? before your career is over was that I, is that I'd, a main ambition of you yeah no I'd, I'd honestly I'd love to play for my my hometown um from you know where that, that's the only place I've lived bar coming up here and bar university um I've always lived um in Peterborough and and to be able to sort of um continue my professional sort of like and it might potentially be end like ending my career there maybe I don't I don't know it depends um when they get themselves up there because I know they will um, but yeah, I've, I've, yeah, it, it'd be great to to play for your hometown, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, and we'll go back from now when you're playing uh, people in Star. After some impressive performances, you joined Loughborough Foxes in 2017 for two years before then joining Championship side Coventry United in 2019. Were you quite surprised at how much success you're having in such a sport, short space of time, going from playing? Uh, non-league football Northern Star to now playing in the second highest division in women's football um, it's sometimes I don't quite realise how quickly I've done things the only time it, it sort of sinks in is when I get you know on Facebook where it comes up with memories and yeah. it's like things of three years ago or four years ago and that's when I'm like something came up um, my dad sent me something I think it was only three years ago of where I was in a a cup final with Loughborough Foxes and I was like that's only three years ago that's hard that's no time whatsoever and that, like it's it is crazy sort of when I think about it but whilst it's been happening it just hasn't felt like it's been such a compact amount of time um but yes when when I look back at it it is it's mad two years ago I was I was in tier three in England and now I'm playing I'm going to play Champions League in two weeks like I, I can't I can't literally describe it it's it's just crazy it is absolutely crazy but you know I've I've got to back myself up in the fact of I've worked so so hard in order to get to where I am like there's some people that will say oh gosh you're so lucky to be there like lucky 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 and I for me I can't say it's luck and my 
people will argue the fact that it's not luck, it's the fact of sheer determination of, of just genuine hard work and putting in the hours and just being consistent with it and not not giving myself an excuse as to why I can't go for a run or why, why I can't do this, that and the other, you know, trying to juggle. I got my teaching degree and, and I was teaching throughout when I was trying to take my football seriously. So I had no seconds rest and now I'm reaping my, my rewards. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been hard work, but it's been, it's been a short period of time, but a very intense period of time. Yeah. And you mentioned there you was actually doing a teacher degree. You was also a full-time PE teacher at Stangrand Academy whilst you were playing for Coventry United, which makes this uh, journey even more remarkable because even though you're playing near enough equivalent to the championship of men's football, you're still doing a five to a five day job uh, working as a PE teacher. So how was it trying to balance those two together? Like physically, it must have been challenging, but also mentally. It was really challenging, um, mentally draining, physically draining. Um, you know, obviously being a being a PE teacher compared to a sort of like a classroom teacher, you know, I'm up on my feet all day. I'm outside, inside, um, running about, doing loads of things. And then in the evening, I'm off to go train or I'm going to the gym or doing something, you know, some after school, it's not always, it's never, it's never a three o'clock finish. That, that's like people that say teaching's nine to three, <laughs> unless you've done it. No, no, no. <laughs> um, but, you know, then I'll have fixtures. So I'll be taking taking teams to um here there and everywhere playing fixtures and then and then I'm off to go train and like the amount of planning that I actually sort of did in my head going to training or coming back from training getting ready for the next day um so luckily I could do that because it, it was PE I didn't have to think of resources I didn't have to print off papers and this that and the other um but it's you know it it wasn't easy. I'm, I'm never going to say it's easy. It was so, so tiring, especially going to Coventry because it's an hour and a half in the car, if not, you know, sometimes longer because they, they were doing rote, um, works on the A14 the whole time. Um, so I'd have lanes closed and I wouldn't be getting back until midnight. And then I'm up at half six the next day, getting ready to teach for, for seven hours. So it's, it definitely had its problems, um, difficulties, but you know, it's it's got me to where I am. It's it's not nothing within my journey I would change because I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have that in in my journey. So, yeah, it it was difficult. Never, I'd never say anything other than difficult. Yeah, I think that could, kind of puts the whole context of hard work and determination. That you said earlier is that even though you're working five days a week, doing all them hours, you're also still determined to go to play football each evening, train. And that sort of determination paid off in the end in January of 2020. That's when, after six months at Coventry United, you got a phone call from Celtic, one of the biggest European giants in football, um, to actually go and play for them and become a professional full-time football player. How? What was that feeling like? Honestly, uh, again, that, that's something I just can't put into words. It was like, I mean, playing for Coventry in itself, like my my department at Stanground, they were there when I got the phone call of saying we want to sign you, because um, I'd gone through some trials and stuff like that. And um, even even when they asked me to come back for another trial and another trial, and then when I find when I got the phone call of we want to sign, like I, I like I had a little squeal. It's so embarrassing because I don't I don't do that kind of thing. Um, 
and like my whole department was so happy for me it's just like I was going to play for a championship side never in my wildest dreams did I think six or seven months down the line I'm then going to go get signed and go and play a professional like go play professionally that's absolutely mental like I, I knew I wanted to do it I knew it I, you know if I was I was going to work hard enough in order to do it but I didn't think it was going to come so so quickly um so yeah I, I got a phone call off my manager um at Coventry and he just basically said yeah um we've had a phone call about you today I was like right okay about anything in, in particular and he was like yeah you've been approached I was like oh right okay who, who by just he was like Celtic. And I was like, sorry, what? <laughs> Celtic? Like, yeah. And I was like, what? Like, like the the I think the, the first thing I thought was, how? Why? Like, why on earth Celtic that you know up in Scotland? How do they know anything about me? And then it was then I realized that they um they appointed Fran as the manager who I'd actually played against when I was at Coventry. Um, so I played against him. I think it was only in the first couple of games um, and we lost that game 2-1. Um, but he he just saw something in me, clearly, that, that he wanted to take with him up to Scotland. So as soon as he got the job um, up in Celtic, um, I was one of the first names on his on his list to go and sign, which, you know, was just amazing. And I just just thinking like Celtic, like you said, they're massive. Celtic are huge. And at the time I didn't I don't think I quite realized how big of a club Celtic was until I got here and it was what made me realize how big Celtic was were the fans and the welcome that I got and the messages and all the all, like all over social media the amount of DMs that I got nice DMs um of like just congratulations welcome how hell and like all of this stuff and that that was when I thought wow this club is huge it's got to be absolutely massive. Like I had people from France messaging me, so like Celtic France messaging me and people from over in the States. And it's like, this this club is worldwide. I, I just, I don't think I knew it until I was up here. And then having it like it, that first week just went like a flash. And it was an absolute blur of going into Celtic Park, getting my photos done at Celtic Park and then having interviews like before, before that, like even doing a podcast now, this wasn't anything. I wouldn't do anything like that. Um, so yeah, it was getting that phone call was was crazy. And it was like, it, it took about, I tell you, it wasn't long from that first phone call until I was up here. I think it was only about a week and a half, um, maybe two weeks. And the thought of going to play professional football, I think for me was just like, I've, I've done it. I've actually done it all of this hard work has genuinely paid off and I'm, I'm going to go and play football for a living. That is going to be my job is going to be waking up every day and going to kick a ball about and getting paid for it. And like so many people dream of doing that and I've worked so hard in order to do it. And now I'm doing it. And like, even like talking about it now, I still sometimes have to say to myself, this is your job. This is what you're doing. Cause in comparison from now to when I was teaching, I'm still doing sort of, obviously it's a lot more, phys it's physically demanding now in comparison to what I was doing because it's just that more intense. There's so much more that you, you get asked of you. But realistically, I'm still running around as much as I probably did. Um, but now I've got, I, I'm, not, I'm not preparing for the next day of going into work, of going into teach. And, it's, and it kind of feels like 
it's not a job at the same time. I feel like I'm on a football camp and I'm just like, I'm on holiday and my, my holiday is to play football every single day um, because I'm, I'm not waking up having to go and teach kids in the morning. So it's, it is still crazy even now, um, like a year and a half on of thinking this is still, this is my job. And, and I think that people that have been able to do it for a long period of time, um, maybe forget that fact, forget how lucky they are in the fact of they get to do this job. The amount, like I said, the amount of people that dream of doing this is is crazy. So yeah, very, very thankful every single day that I, I get to go and train and kick a ball about and get paid. <laughs> Such a shame because obviously this will be, all, this is audio based, so they won't be able to see how much you're smiling right now when you're talking about that, which just shows you how much determination you put into this and how much you've achieved your dreams could you imagine when you're or 15 years old when you picked up that first football and kicked it basically that now you'll be playing for one of the biggest clubs in the UK and in Europe and also you became the first professional female player from Peterborough which again is another massive achievement you know what? I forgot about that I actually forgot because I remember though I, I didn't realize it I until sort of like I got contacted by um, the PT and and they they said, oh, we want to do a, an article on you because you're the first female to do it. I was like, am I? Oh my God, that's, that's just crazy in itself. Um, but no, no, I didn't, I didn't think this was going to happen. You know, like, like you said a bit ago, I, I wanted to go be a professional show jumper. Um, but my main issue was that was I didn't have a horse. So, <laughs> So, you know, yeah, I would say that's a big issue there. <laughs> yeah, you kind of need a horse in order to do that. Um, so, I, like, my, <laughs> buying a pair of football boots was a little bit cheaper than buying a horse. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I never imagined that this was going to be my life. I, I knew I was always going to do something surrounded with sports, you know, whether that was teaching. Like, I, I always wanted to be some sort of teacher, like a PE teacher. I always wanted to do something with sports. And it's just the fact of, yeah, now, now it's, it, yeah, it's professional and it's, I didn't think, I didn't think in a million years that this, this would ever happen, but as well saying the first female in Peterborough to do it, um, I'm glad that a female has been able to do that from Peterborough and I'm hope I'm, and I know I'm not going to be the last, 100% not going to be the last, um, so I'm just, I'm hoping that there's going to be more, more girls following in those footsteps and, and to be fair, I hope that I can be the, a bit of an inspiration to them because like I said, when I, when I was younger, there weren't really, there weren't many football clubs around for, for girls um, or women's teams around, especially at like the higher levels. I mean, even now, bar posh, you've got Cambridge, which is still, which is quite, you know, can be quite far from Peterborough unless you drive. If you're 15, 16 years old, you've got to rely on your parents in order to take you to Cambridge or to MK Dons um so or like you know obviously we've got Leicester who's in the Super League but there isn't a huge amount around so hopefully again like we've said with Posh Posh will be that representative in Peterborough and just you know hopefully I can inspire the girls of you don't have to have it right at your feet as long as you work hard in order to do it and be prepared to put in the hours and be prepared um to take sacrifices then you know then you can do it if you want something bad enough then you'll get there 100%. Yeah, I think that's the problem with football nowadays because when you speak to a youngster, all they want to do is try and get into an academy. I think when I was playing football, 
if you wanted to become a professional footballer, you had to be an academy. But your journey kind of shows for women, but also for men, that there is still a path to follow if you just put the determination in, hard work, playing at your local clubs, playing non-league football. If you do it right, you will get the success that you deserve. And it has been a stop and go time for you since you joined Celtics, obviously, of COVID, as we mentioned beforehand. But now it's starting to slowly go back to normality and most likely your first full season, hopefully with a crowd as well. One of the main matches in Scotland um, is the Celtic versus Rangers derby. And I imagine you guys kind of faced each other last season. How was it playing in the Glasgow derby? Um, like anyone that's seen me play football or knows me when I, when I play football, I'm, I'm a fairly aggressive player as it is. Um, and those types of games get me riled up even more. And I abs- I love I love that type of fight, you know, not like a fist fight, that not that kind of thing, but a genuine, like real, real aggressive performance. And and that that comes hand in hand when you're playing a derby game that's that big. And, you know, do that do they come much bigger than Celtic and Rangers? I, I, you know, I remember seeing a poll, I think probably on a sport bible or something like that. Um, and I think I think that did come out on top um, of the biggest rivalry and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was last season playing against Rangers. I, we couldn't have asked for a better three games. You know, it was it was, as, as they said, a green and whitewash. <laughs> we only conceded one goal in, in the three matches and, and we came away with nine points. Um, so yeah, those, those kind of games, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, and and you just you like you get a lot of, of like emotion behind those sorts of games. Like you know, we we didn't play any of those in front of a crowd, um, which I think it, it could have hindered things potentially. Who knows how different it would have been if we had um, fans next to us um, supporting us um, or shouting stuff at us if it was Rangers, obviously. Um, so that's going to be a huge difference this season of, of well of having fans back and like in the games like that that's where that's where we're going to really really see um how how our fans just are i i can't wait to see fans in a game like that because i mean i got to play against it was glasgow city um which was the null and void season and that's we had fans in there and the atmosphere that they bought then and that that wasn't the big i know it's still a derby because it's a Glasgow team, but it wasn't Glasgow Rangers. So the atmosphere there was electric. It was so, so good. So when it comes to Celtic Rangers and we've got our fans there, oh, it's, I can't wait. I actually cannot, cannot wait because it's going to be so good. <laughs> yeah. And I imagine this whole, this whole next season is going to be quite emotional because you mentioned their fans. Yeah. How is it going to be playing in front of a largely big crowd and trying to go for the title? Yeah, I mean... Um, like playing for Northern Star, playing for uh, Foxes and Coventry, you know, we didn't we didn't get the hugest of crowds. Um, you know, I think Northern Star we got bigger crowds than we did at Foxes, um, but I think that was just because it was such a local team. Um, uh, but Coventry, we would get some crowds at Coventry, um, and I remember there was one specific game um, against Crystal Palace when we were at home, and the Coventry men's team came and supported us. And, you know, they were so loud, they were singing and, you know, that, that was, that was fantastic. Um, that's like something that will stick with me forever, like the atmosphere that they bought. But when I then came up here, 
and played in that game where we had all of our fans for Glasgow, like the atmosphere was just phenomenal. Um, and I haven't, you know, we haven't had that for over a year. We haven't had that kind of atmosphere um, in a game for, for a year. And, and I, I can't wait to be playing in front of crowds again because, you know, I have, to be fair, I haven't really up here, except for that, that single game, I haven't really played in front of fans. And the amount of like messages that I'll get and, and the support that I do get on social media, it'd be nice um, to actually have witnessed that and have that firsthand instead of just through my phone. Um, so I, I, can't, I can't wait to welcome fans back in and, you know, and give them something to enjoy because they, they've had to, had to watch it just through, a, you know, a computer screen or through their TV, um, which hasn't been the same for them as well. Um, so, I, you know, I'm looking forward for them to come in for themselves as much as for us as well. And yeah, it's, um, I mean, I, nothing's been said, I don't think, as of this Sunday, because obviously we, we start on Sunday. Um, with cup games I don't know how many fans are going to be allowed in uh, you know nothing's been said yet but I'm hoping hoping that we can just go from the start and, and welcome people back yeah and also another massive achievement this season feels like keep saying that word because in such a short space of time you have achieved quite a lot you'll be able to call yourself a Champions League player because for the first time last season Celtic qualified for the Champions League how again how does it feel to be called a Champions League player yeah, no, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Like, um, from with friends from back at home, um, especially my my boyfriend's team, Facet United. Um, like, I, I have quite a lot to do with them. Like, I, I would go and train with them when I'm at home and support them every single week. And I used to run their line when I was back at home, and um, and having all of them lot like, being like, "You're you're you're actually going to go play Champions League?" I'm like, "Yeah." And they're like, uh, that's crazy. That's actually quality. And some of them absolutely love it. Like they're, they're just, they're infatuated like that. Like it's, it's amazing. Like how many, how many people that, you know, have been able to play Champions League? Cause I personally don't know anyone else that has, that has, especially being in Peterborough. There's, I don't think there's, there's many, I don't know if any that has been able to do it okay, and being is. able to call myself. Sorry. I don't think there is like, even yeah. in men's football. So you'll be again, the first person from Peterborough. <laughs> That's gone to the Champions League. Well, at least I'm hopefully putting Peterborough on the map for the good reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, now being able to call myself a Champions League player, like even I know it, there's been a, a big restreet, re, re, the, been a big restructure um, this year. So there's potential that we only play two games. That is a genuine potential. Um, but even so, even if it's two games, I've still been able to play in the Champions League, which you know who doesn't want to play in one of the biggest competitions in the world. You, you know, you, you, if you want to play football, you want to play on the biggest stages and that there is one of the biggest stages you'll ever play on. So yeah, very, very excited. And the campaign kicks off in two weeks time, but whilst this could be released after the game starts, but it is, it would just all start on August the 18th, I believe. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. So, so we kick off Wednesday, the 18th. Um, we've got, Levante um, and then so the winner of that will then play the winner of FC Minsk or, or and Rosenborg Rosenborg they will then play against each other on the Saturday um, and the two losers will also play against each other if if we were to lose that first game we'd then play a third fourth playoff and then that's us done 
that if we win that game, we'd then play the winner of that, those two, and then the winner of that then goes through into the next round. And then that's where there's a home and away leg. And then the winner of that home and away leg then goes into the group stage. So there's potential for it being a short-lived Champions League, but I'm going to be 100% an optimist. I don't go out there to lose. I don't know anyone who plays a sport that goes to lose. I definitely have a winning mentality. So we've we've had a really, really good pre-season. I had an interview this morning where I, uh, I stand by what I said in the fact that Fran has organised the, um, the, the friendlies so, so well. He has done a really, really good job in that, in the fact of the level of difficulty or competitiveness has gone up and up and up and up for every single game. And we finished, we finished our pre-season playing against Durham, who have been top three of the championship for the past three or four years, I think. So they're a very, very tough side. Um, you know, I, I played against Durham with Coventry and didn't win a single game. I think I played them four times in one season because of a cup. And we didn't, we didn't win a single game. Whereas last Sunday, we won 3-1. So that's just showing us how well we're doing. And we're preparing ourselves for that Champions League really, really well. I know we've got two cup games before that. So we've got cup game this weekend and the weekend after that, which again, I think is a good run up to the Champions League because now we're getting into the competitive mindset. We need to be in the right place psychologically by the time we get to Champions League. So I'm very, very excited to get going for those two games, which will then turn into four games. Definitely. I'm there. I'm, I'm going to be optimistic with it. Um, and then hopefully we get into the group stage. But yeah, it's we're 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 raring to go, I think, now. But when you look back over all of it, obviously you've just achieved Champions League now. You've practically achieved as much as possible in the women's game. Um, but is there England in view that you maybe want to try and get into women's super league at some point? Is that one of your main ambitions? I'd say so. Um I think you know, when when my time at Celtic does does come to an end, I think the next next place would hopefully be the Super League in England. Which team I've, I've got? You know, <laughs> being being a West Ham fan, I, I, I think I think that's that would kind of be the dream to a certain extent. You know, who doesn't want to play for the team that they support um, um, from from when you're back home? So, yeah, definitely. I think Super League is is a box that I would like to tick before before my legs give up. Um, a lot of people sort of say to me about they're like, well, what about England? Just England, like in general, um, would you want to go and play for England? It's like, well, of course I'd love to. <laughs> I'd love to represent my country. Um, but being you know thirty years old, nearly, um, could could I be the female Jamie Vardy? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Um, but I think sort of going back as well with that, like you've said about going through academies and things like that, club football, I've proven that you don't have to go through an academy in order to get yourself a professional contract. Um, but representing, representing your country, I think is potentially slightly different um, of trying to get, you know, if you go through as a youngster, then you'll hopefully get through to that, you know, your senior first team. Um, but we'll just... Who knows? You never know. I might, I might get a knock on the door, but I, I very highly much doubt it. But yeah, I think, I think Super League would be where I'd like to go next, whenever that will be. And the Jamie Riley part there, perfect description though. And you never know. He, he did do it, and you never know. It's one of those things. Football can take miraculous turns any point given. Um, 
they saw with England even getting to Euros final. It's just oh. anything could happen around the corner. So you never know. And I think the Jamie Vardy part sums up your journey to perfection, basically. You followed the same path and to get where you are today has been inspiration. For for the last part of the podcast, one of the final questions I do ask is for anyone that is listening that probably the same age you were when you first began football, that is quite anxious about even joining a local club or wants to get into football but feel it's too late, what words of advice would you give to them? Be prepared to push yourself out of your comfort zone um, and be prepared to fail because you'll get knocked down. You will get knocked down, but it's how quickly you get back up. Um, You know, I've had people that say, you can't do it. Um, You won't be able to do it. You know, even when I was doing my teaching degree, um, you know, there there was a comment that always sat with me uh, laughing at me because I was still trying to live the dream. And, and it's now I can turn around to them and go, yeah, well, I've done it though, haven't I? So yeah, I, for whoever says you can't work so hard to then just show them that you damn well can, that you can literally do whatever you want to do um, as, long, as long as you are prepared to work for it. It's not going to be easy. It's never easy. Life isn't easy. If, if it was easy, then every single person would be doing it. Um, so yeah. That that would be that would be the best thing that I can say. Um, that was brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us. And good luck for the new season. Hopefully, later in the year we'll see you in the Champions League group stage. Yeah, no, thank you very much for having me. It's been a very enjoyable podcast. <laughs>